From Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., this is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. And hello out there in Radio Land. It is the best political talk show you've never heard of from here in Studio A at Podcast Village. I'm your host and moderator, Justin Russell. Joining me in the studio, he is the former Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade. The one we know is Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, Justin. Uh, somewhere out in the hinterlands of... Southern Maryland. He is the former Democratic and Joe Biden political operative that we know as Dan Lipner Esquire. And who's that? You guys can't see this because it's radio, but uh, we can see Dan Lipner, who's broadcasting from his house today. And he's got uh, apparently Mr. Mom duty today. Dan, what's going on with that? I have Mr. Isaac Lipner on my lap right now, who is going to be joining me for the rest of the podcast. Oh, is he? Okay. for the first half. Oh, okay, good. And, of course, <laughs> from an undisclosed location in, uh, in the Bay State of Massachusetts, he is the author of such great books as American Politics on the Rocks. He's the one we know as Rich Rubino. Rich, how are you? Great, thank you. And uh, joining us yet again for another episode, our, uh, our gracious uh, proprietor here at Podcast Village, he is uh, Charlie Bernie running the board in lieu of Rob the Engineer, who is doing Rob the Engineer type stuff. And, of course, we've got our producer, Eric Thomas, doing Eric Thomas producer type stuff. Uh, lots going on in D.C. Uh, this week. I And one of the things that uh, has kind of gotten our attention, it, it, it's a very sensitive subject, obviously, with the uh, discussions around gun control. Uh, it is still very sensitive. The memories of the tragic events that happened in uh, California, in Texas, in, in Ohio over the past uh, month, uh, the, the just the senseless violence that's going on and has really re-sparked a, a new track on sensible gun legislation. Uh, we are hearing terms like uh, comprehensive background checks, red flag laws that are starting to come out of both Democrats and Republicans. The the the, the Trump administration, who right after the um, okay, you're going to have to go on mute in case he has a meltdown, Dan. We love we love Isaac, Isaac, but Isaac is bothered by gun violence too. Okay, okay, all right, that's that's fair. Um, the uh. The Trump administration seemed to be supportive of of some of the track, including comprehensive background checks uh, for gun purchases. But yet it seems that there's been kind of a signaling that maybe not so much. Um, <clears throat> there is uh, the, the president said that there was a great appetite for tightening background checks right after the shootings. He has since walked that back. <clears throat> Excuse me. Alan Moore, it, 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 it seems to me that uh, the, the, the president might be caught between a rock and a hard spot on this, where you've got somewhere in the area of about 80 to 90% of Americans who agree with 
uh, sensible gun language or sensible gun regulations, including comprehensive background checks. Uh, but it puts him in direct contrast with Wayne LaPierre and the folks over at the National Rifle Association. Uh, which way is going to pull stronger on this one? Don't know. Um, we've had the president. Uh, we've seen this movie before, um, and uh, it doesn't always have to have the same ending. Um, although you, you, it, we've seen him talk uh, a tougher game and then pull back uh, with the passage of time between some horrendous, grotesque, um, uh, multiple shooting, um, and then and then uh, a, a change of attention. In, in this case. With the back-to-back, back-to-back-to-back, if you will, events um, on top of everything in the last uh, 20 years, um, 30 years, 40, pick a number, um, seemed like the president was more assertive in what he was saying um, uh, when he said, uh, but but again, it had echoes of things he has said in the past and then uh, backed away from (laughs) I don't know where this is going to come out. We're going to get the Congress back in session. Um, the 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 House had passed a bill regarding background checks and a few and some other issues that the that Senate Majority Leader McConnell said, "I'm not going to bring up anything that won't pass the Senate and won't get signed by the president." So he's basically saying. Um, is that a but, telegraph that is that a telegraph that uh, perhaps the majority leader understands the fact that nothing that deals with gun control is going to come out of the White House? No, it doesn't say anything. It simply says we can't do this without the president. Even with the president, we, it may be challenging, but without the president, we cannot come up with six the sixty votes it takes. If we get the president, then. We've got a, a real chance of 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 doing something. So, Mr. President, help now. Now, unfortunately, because the Congress is out of session right now, and right. Mc, and McConnell yep. is actually recovering from sh- uh, from shoulder surgery, um, it's hard to know how much one to one, two to one, five to one, five to five conversations have occurred. the The president's reaching out. The president is 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 trying to walk through the political minefield here. He personally doesn't particularly care, but other than on the political side. Right. But Rich Rubino, there seems to be an an identity crisis here. Uh, I've talked to a couple of people, and there have been several reports that uh, the president has kind of gone cold on gun control issues but he wants to more focus on the economy, wants to focus yep. on the threat by China, uh, all on the China trade talks. Does the fact that the president can kind of flip back and forth on this, should that be a cause for concern for a majority of the Americans that believe that sensible gun control now is the right time? Well, yeah, and I also think certainly for people who just are concerned about <clears throat> certainly the president's temperament that he is that um, sporadic. Um, gun control, I don't think it's an issue that necessarily he wants to be proactive on. It's something he was reactive on. There was such a movement and there was a groundswell of support for certainly for background checks and red flag laws. And we saw these polls that show, you know, 90, 91 percent 
um, supportive of it. But then he went to the he essentially went to members of the National Rifle Association, and they said we're not going to support you on this. And I think that if you go, if you know, it's in, it's in really not members, not members, leadership, leadership, of the NRA. leadership, leadership. You're right, absolutely leadership. So he went to the leadership of the NRA, and you're right because the, the actually the members of the NRA are actually overwhelmingly supportive of gun control measures. And he said, um, you know, he said, he said, he said, what happens if essentially we do this? I've kind of kind of hinted at it, and they're essentially saying that there's no ground there that they're willing to give to give him on. And we saw this, for example, you know, look at Heidi Heitkamp um, in North Dakota who was a Democrat, and, you know, she ran for, um, you know, when their polls were showing the majority of people in her state of North Dakota supported background checks, but yet she still, I mean, you know, she, she went to she, the NRA, you know, when the NRA, who had, which had, you know, potentially could have supported her for re-election, you know, at the time, this was, you know, six years before she was going to run for re-election, she still voted against background checks on the Senate floor. The, even though, you know, even despite the fact that polls show the majority of people are 90 percent on this, the NRA still has an, an enormous influence on this, and there are right. certainly – and I will say this, though. A lot of people – I often hear that, you know, why are people opposed to background checks? What's the sensible reason to be opposed to waiting a couple of days for guns? I think what it is is it appears to me that what they're afraid of – and this is people who are on the extreme right wing of the gun control right. argument. What they're afraid of is a slippery slope, and they're afraid that there's going to be gun registration – and they don't want people to have to register to say that, you know, they're essentially gun owners. And I think eventually it's going to lead to gun confiscation. And that's essentially what their argument is. Right. And a lot of these people are supportive of Donald Trump, you know, who certainly culturally is from a different um, background than they are. But, the, you know, so I don't think he wants to lose any member, any, uh, you're right, the, or any of the leadership right. of the National Rifle let, Organization let who wants Dan. them to be. Let, let me go to, let me, oh, do we lose Rich? I'm right here. Can oh, there you we me? go. Yeah, yeah. Thought we lost yep. you there. Uh, let's go to Dan Lipner real quick. Uh, Dan, you are jumping up and down. Go ahead. Yeah. So on the supposedly intellectually honest approach, Rich is correct. So the, 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 the varnished, polished side of the argument is they're afraid of the slippery slope right. of the tyrannical government disarming the populace. Right. What is arguably the more cynical and substantive <laughs> approach to the argument, which is, in fact, that since the NRA functions as a trade association and the people that think they need multiple assault weapons to defend their house, yeah, right, or go hunting, uh-huh, yeah, lots of people go hunting for deer with 100 rounds at a time. Um, to be clear, we're talking 100 rounds to shoot one deer. Hunting's not the sport for them. Or the lunatic fringe who have arsenals in their basement prepared to take up arms against the government for any ludicrous crazy thing that they might want to raise issues with. Mind you, we saw this not long ago with the people who took over the, uh, the uh, Department of Interior, Interior Wildlife Preserve um, not long ago, which incredibly had a result of a jury nullification, which you don't see often, um, that those folks buy guns, and they buy a lot of them. And I mean a lot of them. So, so the NRA's principal funders, while their membership is principally hunters and responsible gun owners, their funders are people who sell these things right. and want to sell a lot more of them. Uh, Alan Moore, though, we've been hearing a lot of We've been hearing a lot of media coverage about how 
there's a lot of turmoil going on in the NRA. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, just when you think that the NRA is against the ropes, that they could lose their influence, not just on the party, but on gun policy, we could start seeing some politicians having some political courage. They managed to come back, uh, I wouldn't say stronger, but with as much strength to even to the point of creating this identity crisis inside the White House of, do I support gun control measures as far as comprehensive background checks, or do I do I send a message to the NRA when I say, we already have good comprehensive background checks? That's the, that's the quote out of the president. What do we do? So... I think what 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 we're what we're seeing here there's there's two there's a couple of dynamics you mentioned the NRA there's a bunch of turmoil in the in the NRA having to do with finances having to do with leadership um, the, the 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 president our old our old friend Oliver North um, was was forced out the chief lobbyist a man named Chris Cox was forced out Wayne Lapierre is still in 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 relatively strong position although he has been discredited in in all of this well for, he wanted them to for, buy this big mansion for management of funds and for he, wanting he a six a six million dollar house and flown wherever and, he wanted and. and and so, and, and a half a dozen, more to the point, half a dozen board members of the NRA, including a, a NASCAR team owner just today, uh, have, have, have left the board. Right. So, so there's some turmoil there. there. There are some other smaller gun ownership organizations that are trying to fill in, not the void, because I, it, it, would, it would be dumb to call this a, a void, but this, 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 this somewhat weakened uh, entity that's still strong. Remember, the NR, we, we talk about the NRA, we demonize the NRA. The NRA is, is influential for one reason. It is able to mobilize voters, and that's what guys care the most about. If I've got, if I've got somebody who's perception of he's, mobilizing he's, voters. Well, fine, Dan. You can you we, we we can we can disagree on that, but but I put a lot of faith in people who run for office in knowing what motivates the people who vote for them and vote against them. They aren't listening to the NRA; they're listening to people out in their states or in their districts, and they hear passion and they and then they look at whatever political contributions may come i mean talk about single issue voters the the the, the gun group is 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 one of them and they they trend heavily right. republican so so th- that's that's a that, that's the, the the base here the fact that 90 percent would like to expand the current system of background checks also gets their attention. The, the thing is, they have to measure how strongly do those people feel. Are, am I am I at risk? Um, but are, they, are we and, seeing an evolution in, in the NRA well, right now? It, I think there are some things that are churning out there in the country. I don't know about the NRA itself, whether where, where it's going to come here. The, you know, there there are those who say, <laughs> look. I believe we should we should expand background checks to cover every gun sale transaction in the United States. Gun shows, internet sales and even interfamily sales. But just just so just so I know. Having said that, I don't think there's been a mass shooting yet that occurred with a gun purchased without a background check having occurred unless the system sort of fell apart there was a there was a military guy who got a gun legally but he probably shouldn't have been able to but some of the Dayton issues was a straw man purchaser so, so straw man, yeah so 
well, in straw man purchases is a different issue. That's a, that's a much that's much tougher to stop. Right. Um, I mean, I would happily get rid of uh, the the large. The, I think the, a large the, amount the, of the, Americans, the large, the large magazines. I, I think a large but, amount of Americans would agree with you, saying that they would do. Uh, high capacity magazines right. out. They would do red flag laws. There's agreement here on that. But having said that, and that there's this desire to do something, which I which I buy into. I think the time comes where people say, maybe it won't work in every case. Maybe it won't have worked in any of the prior cases. We need to do something. And background checks just stares so, you in the face, and the public says. Yes, we should have a system where people can't sneak through the crack through the cracks legally right. to get a gun. It's different if they've got straw but purchases or operating in the black market. Right, Dan Lipner, though, when we when we do talk about this, uh, we hear the direct tie also with mental health funding. Uh, you know, we've even heard people when they talk about the Dayton shooter talk about the fact that that was a mental health case that had he had proper mental health uh he this tragedy would have never have happened uh is there a legitimacy in that or are we crossing wires no no there's absolutely a legitimacy thing so it's a yes and not either or but then why uh, are democrats why are democrats has correctly said the, no one issue will solve every problem it is a multi-causal thing that has not every shooter is provoked by the same issues and there, there are some serious there are serious questions there as well as the fact that stigmatizing mental health to be clear not everyone who goes to a therapist is necessarily dangerous but dan let me ask you this question but though hold on let me ask you this to question have that balancing act Dan, let me ask you this question. Then why are Democrats that sit there and they talk about when they mention gun legislation and mental health in the same breath are getting vilified by their own party saying, well, that is Republican rhetoric? Well, so this is the catch. So I, unfortunately, I'm not well versed in what, what went through in Florida since uh, Tim Scott actually did do some things and claimed to do uh, so, some movement on mental health. Uh, in Florida. I'm not well versed in what occurred there. What I can say with confidence is nationally, not a whole lot has occurred. So it's been a talking point on mental health um, that has not really gone a whole lot of anywhere. If you had a penny per bullet tax, and I mean that sincerely, a, a penny per bullet tax that went entirely for mental health and that was promoted by republicans you know i might actually be there to say this is not just a cynical talking point but you're actually putting uh, where some money where the rubber meets the road i haven't seen much of that lots of republicans have been talking about mental health being the key to gun violence now there's other data points that suggest most of the mass shooters, and to be clear, mass shooters are not all shooters. I believe mass shooters are shooters of people with it's three or more people who are victims of a single incident. So there are other incidents below mass shootings that, right. that, that, that are ripe. And also, to be clear, 
the biggest victims of gun violence are women. Women of people they know. All right. So if you're saying an ex-boyfriend, ex-husband, whoever, well, that's the whole daddy, point. Whatever you want to say, Dan. That's the if whole you want to point put money of that. I'm all in favor of it. But show me proof, Dan. That's that Republicans the whole point. Are putting money toward that. I'm in favor of it, Dan. That I mean, that's part of the whole point that they're talking about. That would fall under the red flag rule. That would fall under. Even some states now have, you know, the domestic violence rule. That if there's a domestic violence charge. Uh, the the county sheriff or the local law enforcement have the ability to remove the gun from the household for that reason. And with the stream of commerce, and I'm going to give a nod to the Federalist Society folks, with the ease at which guns can be transited between states, which is why it needs to be a federal law and not a state law for those kind of red flag laws. Okay. Rich Rabino, the the issue coming up, though— is that you've got a Republican controlled set you got a Republican controlled Senate, a Republican in the White House that is giving no clear direction to the party as far as which way to maneuver through this delicate discussion. Uh, and the Democrats are just pulling out their hair regarding this. Is is there anybody that you see that could take a stance? I mean, we saw in the House today uh, Peter King of New York yeah. come out and say that there should be an assault weapons ban. Uh, the first one in the party in the House to do so, uh, if if not uh, the first Republican in Congress, I think, to make that statement. Uh, but that, that was a pretty bold statement. Is, is there anybody else that needs to stand up that could see some movement just on the background checks, the red flag? It'd be very hard. I think politically, you'd have to look at folks that come from more liberal districts. You have to look like someone like Fred Upkin, for example, from Michigan. You'd have to look for any member of Congress who represents a suburban district because it's more or less an urban-rural issue as much as it is a conservative uh, liberal issue. And the, you know, there's the only one in terms of the Democratic Party. They're pretty much they become more and more monolithically in favor of this. The only one, so I can think of, who are really opposed to it would be Congressman Holden of Maine and certainly Colin Peterson of Minnesota, who's kind of the last really conservative uh, Democrat. But it, it, it's very hard for them to do because what they don't want, the thing that they fear more than anything else, is a primary challenge. And in a primary challenge, you know, I mean. AOC only got, got elected with less than 30,000 votes in, Queen, in, the, in her district in New York State. A lot of these folks are fearful of that, um, potentially, of somebody running against them in a primary. But you know, go back to the actual assault weapons ban in 1994, the one that Bill Clinton signed. One of, the huge, one of the huge reasons why that actually passed and why Bill Clinton signed that was Ronald Reagan. Um, believe it or not, Ronald Reagan actually called congressmen like Congressman Klug of Wisconsin, who was a deciding vote. It passed 216 to 214, and he called them and, set, and advocated for him to support um, the assault weapons ban. And he also, Dick Sweat from New Hampshire, uh, who, was a, who was a Democrat from a rural, relatively rural part of the country, um, said that it was an op-ed that he read by Ronald Reagan that actually, got, that actually gave him the impetus to support the assault weapons ban, and you had other Republicans at the time, like John Kasich, who was a relatively center-right Republican, who supported it at the time. But now there's just such a, there's just so there's just such a fear, such trepidation within both parties of some sort of a primary challenge right. that it would be very right. hard I mean, for assault, them, even if it's in their best interest in a general election. I mean, an assault weapons ban—that's a that's a an entire segment that we could do 
here in the near future. And or which they would we say will. a ban on semi-automatic uh, rifles. Well, and, that, and again, that's something that we can talk about for an entire segment that we'll probably talk about here uh, in an upcoming episode. But uh, we've got two minutes left in this segment. Um, he, round the horn, Alan Moore, is the president truly serious about pushing red flag and pushing comprehensive background checks, yes or no? I think he is, but man, I wouldn't bet. Uh, I wouldn't bet the even the outhouse, much less the ranch. Uh, Dan Lipner, Dan Lipner, that that view of you is just a picture we don't need. Oh, there's Isaac. Apparently, yeah, he's... Isaac's not terribly happy at the moment. Okay. That said, so and I say this, I've always been horrified of the mass shooting. No, wait, 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 Dan, Dan, Dan. It's a yes or no question. Are do you think the president is truly supportive of comprehensive background checks, red flag? Yes or no? No, he's already waffled, and in spite of the fact he said he'll take the heat from the NRA, there's no evidence of him doing so ever. He's a coward. Rich Rubino. No, he just wants this issue to go away. Okay, yeah, the correct answer is no. He's all over the place on this. Hey, uh, that being said, we're going to come back uh, here in a couple of minutes, but if you were wondering... It, let, let, okay, let, let's say that you're interested in buying some waterfront property. Let's say that, you know what, I'd like something in a little kind of a cooler climate. I might snowbird between said cooler climate or Florida, let's say. Um, well, apparently uh, the president's got an idea, and we'll talk about that when we come back. This is Backroom Politics. Greenland, baby, Greenland! You, you just, <laughs> wow, dude, you really can screw up a teaser better than anybody. We'll be back in two minutes.
Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. Hey, and we are back here in studio. I've got Alan Moore behind the glass. I've got Charlie Burney, our our fine host here at at Podcast Village. Uh, We've got uh, Eric Thomas, our producer, doing producer-type stuff. On the big screen, we've got Rich Rubino up in the Bay State of Massachusetts and playing Mr. Mom. And <laughs> what, what is Isaac doing, Dan? For those of you who can't is, know, we have a direct he, video feed he, to he is, Dan. He, he is playing with his toy as well as the 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 a corner of the foam mat, which, <laughs> while okay to eat, not necessarily designed to be eaten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. Hey, so... Uh, we're kind of going to go open form, but I want to start off with this. So, uh, before it was ruined, because I, I like the scenario of having, you know, snowbird real estate deals. Uh, you know, I've always wanted something up on the Cape, but when you're, when you're the president of the United States and you're thinking to yourself, what would be a really cool snowbird area that we might want to purchase? Uh, I, I guess Rich Rubino, you think Greenland? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that would be, I mean, I don't know if it's really snow there. It's supposed to be green, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, on top of the fact <laughs> this, that it's just false. This matters. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, 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 so, it's so, false so the, advertising. So the history trade between, the reason Iceland is Iceland and Greenland is Greenland yep. is, and I forgot which particular Viking from which particular country Dan. Uh, was, was Dan. involved, but it was meant to be a, a, a trick Dan. To, to draw people to Greenland, which is a giant hunk of ice, Dan. to avoid Iceland. Dan, yes, I, 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 I honestly believe right now that we we have lost a good chunk when we went into the History Channel mode here. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, that's what our show does. I, yeah, okay, but it fascinates style. people though. But, that but, that but, but it was only a question, not an answer. <laughs> so anyway, in, in case you're trying to figure out what we're talking about. Over the over the uh, past few days, uh, at, at the time of our recording, it has been disclosed that apparently there was a serious discussion and a discussion made with the government of Denmark, President Trump wants to buy Greenland. I mean, this, this is serious. Clear, the only serious part of this was Trump asking the question. Everyone else thought it was absurd. No, well, apparently not. It got State Department to open up the dialogue with the, the Danes. The United States made a request. No matter how senile the occupant of 1500 Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue might be, you still got to follow the damn order. Alan Moore, Alan Moore, you know what? I, I, I want to ask this question. Why is this such a bad idea? There's a lot of mineral resources up there. Because the Danes don't want to sell it. It's, it, <laughs> what? Make Justin, them they can't refuse. Well, Justin, why is there a person on the show Justin, that has Danish blood in them that's Dan, still looking Dan, at the Dan, you know what? Danish you know what? Mute Dan. Mute Dan. <laughs> Mute Dan. Dan's out of control right now. I thought I thought the APAC discussion was going to do that. Mute Dan. Anyway, Alan, the, you may continue. The country is not for sale. This is like you saying, you know, maybe I'll buy Mar-a-Lago. It's not for sale, and it's beyond your ability to buy. Well, everything's it's for like sale. It's like saying he wants to buy Connecticut. So, Mar-a-Lago so, might actually be for sale. So, Dan, but, but not to, I will mute not you. To Justin, um, I think I think Financial Times sort of tried to figure out. So, what would the, what would it actually be worth? Perhaps it came up with a, a number of one trillion dollars of of one trillion mi- mineral. That's kind of there's cheap. only thirty thousand people who live there, so there's not a lot of infrastructure, but there's apparently a lot of a, a lot of mineral wealth, and there's still some ice. 
that they could they could sell, but before before it all melts. So, but I mean, but I mean, one trillion seems like a deal. A deal, a deal. Well, no, no. This is somebody's estimate of what it would cost. I think you'd have a little trouble getting the Congress to go along. Not to mention Denmark, when who, when, when sort of asked informally, not so much by the U.S. government but by reporters. So, are, are, would you guys be willing to sell Greenland? Is there a price? And they said, it's not for sale. Well, the premier of no. Greenland <laughs> came so, out and said, so. <laughs> It, you know, it, it's it's just kind of this absurd thing. Now, wh- what I'm curious about the pre- so the president is is known for just throwing wacky stuff around, and and then most of the time, most most administrations protect their president from crazy think- shit that they say. But this administ- but this administration seems to have people inside who say. Oh my God! We got to get that one out there and have some fun with that. We need a red flag law to make sure the president cannot make any other actions strictly based on this. I thought I put you in timeout. Okay. Um, the Rich Rubino. I mean, did, did did without going deep in the weeds on the uh, Seward's folly or Louisiana yep. Purchase, please, because we want to talk about the 2020 uh, Democratic race here. For in a couple of seconds, but uh, did did do you think that Donald Trump thought that this would be his Trump's folly, his Louisiana <laughs> oh. purchase? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he'd actually know who Sword was or you know the history of Alaska, but I'm sure that <laughs> it came to his mind, and you know he actually sent out a on Twitter a picture of a Trump hotel um, in Greenland. So I guess he has somewhat of a sense of humor about it, but. You know, he certainly, he certainly, my yeah, guess is somebody's serious, not at all. You, wait, wait, yeah, you, somebody's persuaded him and said this was a great idea. And he said, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. But I don't think he's actually, I don't think this is something he's actually seriously going to go through with. Rich Rubino, do you, let me ask this question. Do you think that he has the capability of poking fun at himself? Or do you really think that he had that done up as a possible schematic saying, hey, this is waterfront property. I could turn this into a golf course. It's getting warmer. I mean, he had, well, he has made that argument in terms of North Korea. He talked about how North Korea, you know, how it would be such, how it would be great for property. Ooh, now he knows right. about real estate and now this. I mean, he has made, I have seen him make that direct connection before about how it's all about essentially real yeah. estate. And that is one of the things that he knows. But my guess is that it's just something that he sporadically is, he sporadically was that's probably right. saying, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. But then he's, he's going to move on. He's going to move on to something else. It's certainly, well, this will not be. The flagship issue of his campaign. Well, is so guess. wait a minute. This is a good question, Alan Moore. Would you, from from a purely real estate, I can sell this uh, Glengarry Glen Ross perspective. Which do you go with? Do you buy North Korea or do you buy Greenland? <laughs> I mean, I mean, square footage alone. You, I think Greenland in play. I think I think that North Korea's got better beaches for uh, for, ho- oh, that's for right. hotels to- hotels and golf courses and they I think President Trump mentioned that. They they've, they've also you know they they've they've got they've got a lot of land that they've cleared with all the mines and stuff. If you could go in there and clean out the DMZ of all of its mines and you'd have fertile ready soil. You'd want to make sure you got all the mines. Um, it, it, I mean, it's just it's crazy stuff. And the, the president himself, you know, it, it admits that this is not on his front burner. But he thought, you know, hey, strategically, it could be useful. What's the worst they we, can say is no. We do a lot of stuff with them. You know, we can talk about it. And uh, we've got to know. So we move on. Um, it's maybe that's what real estate guys do. It's kind of scary. It, 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 it is scary. Uh, but no, I mean, like he said, 
The worst I can say is no. I, I I didn't think that we would. And they've said no. Yeah, they they firm that that would be a hard no. Uh, for those of you who are fans of Letter Kenny, you are getting that joke. Uh, the but the thing about it is, I I mean, does it surprise you that the president actually went retail Century Twenty One Gold Blazer Real Estate, going, hey, if you want to sell your house, here's my card. What, what what surprises me, as I said before, is that we heard about the fact that this came up in a meeting, and they said, "Well, why don't you talk to a to to, you to get the, the ambassador Danes, on to the, the Danes and see 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 if if they have any interest?" And they find out they go, "What?" Uh, no, and then the, but the word gets out, so we're uh, talking about it Let's and laughing about it. about it, and and I give the president. Rarely do I give him much credit, but I I thought when when he saw the picture of the Trump Hotel on <laughs> on this little stretch of of land of land in Greenland, said, this is not what I'm thinking about. I thought, well, he it it's rare that he can kind of poke fun, and there that was a case where that's what do I you think. think he was doing. Let me ask you this question: Do you do you think, Richard Bino, that the president actually had that done as a mock up? And it kind of got leaked, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I promised not to do that. Would you put it past uh, him to do that? I, yeah, I don't know about that. Would be quite the conspiracy theory, I guess. But <laughs> no, I don't know. My guess is it just kind of happened, and you know, he's very sporadic in what he does. So he thought, oh, I'm going to put this up. I don't think okay. there was really any rhyme or reason. I think it was a retweet. Um, to it. I mean, it if, was if a you retweet, go through any of his, um, any of his tweets, I mean, even the, whether they're misspelled or whatever they or whatever. Um, you know, very rarely are there something that he really thinks about, you know, surgically, what am I going to put here, what am I going to put there? He just puts it up there, and then if he has to backtrack, he, you know, essentially he either doubles down or he backtracks a little bit. But, um, no, I, I think this was just the first thing that came to his head, put this up, and that was it. But but Rich Rubino is, is our historian, and I only want to spend another minute on this because <laughs> I want to talk about the 2020 presidential campaign as well. But when when we see this, I mean, you know, we're we're, we're joking and laughing about this, but— did they have the same reaction? I mean, they obviously didn't have podcasts back then, but did they have the same reaction when, uh, let's say, that uh, Jefferson made the Louisiana Purchase or when Seward made the deal for uh, Alaska? Well, I don't know if they had polls back in um, the Jefferson administration, but I know that certainly, um, you know, when, when, when Seward, who was the Secretary of State during Andrew Johnson administration, this was 1867, when he purchased Alaska, people called a sword's fall. They said, why is he doing this? And eventually, you know, they figured out how the, all the oil and all the minerals he had, and he became a genius throughout history. But as I say, I doubt that if you ask Donald Trump, you necessarily – I mean, I don't know, but my guess is that he would not know about the history of Alaska or sword's folly. But, you know, when he thinks of Alaska, he know probably about the first Secretary... thing he thinks of is probably, is probably um, Sarah Palin and how happy he is that she endorsed him in the uh, primary. <laughs> okay, that's enough. <laughs> so, you know what? You know what's uh, almost equally as funny? Uh, the 2020 Democratic uh, presidential race. Dan Lipner, you are back out of timeout now. You can you can you can join us again because uh, I need you for this because you're kind of the biggest Democrat we have on the show right now. I'm the only Democrat you have on the show right now. Uh, yeah, uh, is that true? I, I know Alan's a Republican. We, we don't know. I, I'm on sabbatical, but I, I'm still calling <laughs> I'm a myself Republican. a Republican. I'm a Republican uh, in exile. I know that. Um, and uh, Rich, we've not ever Rich, I, I, out, but he unenrolled. Uh, he, he's, oh, in, he's independent. Uh, so anyway, yeah, then the you are the only. You have on the show right now. Then you're the only Democrat on the show. Is the only Democrat on the show right now? Uh, the well, Demo- Isaac's on video, so but Isaac hasn't declared his party affiliation yet. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, the 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 thing about it is uh, they are now dwindling down to ten, and I think they expanded to twelve. 
uh, candidates that will be available for the next uh, the next debate cycle. Uh, some names that are dropping out. We we've already seen Hicken, uh, Governor Hickenlooper. He's dropped out of the race. There are some that they are talking, including possibly Bill De Blasio might be dropping out as early as this week. Uh, we've heard a couple other names float around. Gillibrand uh, is frantically sending me emails asking for a dollar contribution so she can get into the debate. If you, did you get the T-shirt? Because I, I saw an email. I got an email that said it, and if I did a dollar, I'd get a T-shirt. There is no yeah. amount of money that Gillibrand can offer me or or, or, or swag to offer me to get her to, uh, to, to support her at all. Well, that's fair. Well, I say, oh, oh, Frank, come it won't on. be your running mate. Yeah, yeah, oh, there yeah. must be a thousand. If she would give you a thousand dollar Amazon card, I bet you'd do it. That, that would be an FEC violation, which I want no part of. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Good point. See, he's ethical. Uh, but the bottom line here is: are, are, are we starting to see? Uh, are we starting to see the reality? I mean, if you look at the new poll numbers, Dan. Uh, Joe Biden is back up into some serious di- double digit leads against Trump and against the other uh, Democratic uh, primary runners. Uh, We're seeing Camilla Harris starting to take a slide back. We're starting to see people kind of get entrenched into their polling numbers. Uh, Are are we starting to see things filter out a little bit more clearly now, or is it too early still? Yeah, no, we're actually starting to see some substantive conversations. I mean, the most interesting thing that's occurred recently – is uh, Elizabeth Warren, who I'm also a fan of, uh, taking a swing at the Biden 94 crime bill, which, worth noting, also includes the Violence Against Women Act. Uh, so the 94 crime bill was it was not w- without controversy in present tense. At the time, everyone was wildly supportive of it and worth noting, including the Congressional Black Caucus. Right. Um, but in hindsight, um, the the crack cocaine, powder cocaine, and mass incarceration uh, issues that occurred that were also mirrored by state and local government for its prosecution of crimes that dis- disproportionately affected and some would say unfairly uh, targeted uh, mi- minorities and minority youth um, has become a, a new litmus test. So um, it's it's not it's not an unworthy argument. But it is a bit interesting to 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 bring present day morality and common sense to an issue of 20 years ago. So, Alan Moore, though, I I know that uh, Elizabeth Warren took a little bit of heat in her own home state for putting out a a video supporting Ed Markey against Mm -hmm. a possible run with uh the Joe Kennedy. With, with Joe Kennedy the the young uh democratic congressman from Massachusetts who's been talking about running for senate uh is that unfounded is that unfair to Elizabeth Warren or was she right in making this video so early in support of Ed Markey she uh she's making a political calculus that's what these people do and i think she realizes that that Markey who's an ally of hers um uh, is probably of, of greater use to her right now uh, than than uh, than the grandson of uh, a Robert Kennedy. So, 
that I, I, I don't know what goes into her political calculations, but believe me, this was all carefully assessed and done because she didn't have to do it, and I don't think the risk of Kennedy getting in was all that high. But for some reason, she simply decided uh, to do that. For all we know, she cleared it with Kennedy before she did it, because <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that's what that, that's what people now. Rich, you know, Rich lives up there. Yeah, I wanted I'm to ask say, him about I wanted that. to say one thing oh, yeah, though, go ahead. about go ahead. about the about the ninety four bill, which was twenty five years ago, Dan, not twenty, um, and and. Uh, uh, it was it had, as Dan pointed out, why you're why, going to go after well, the shorthand of twenty versus twenty-five? Yeah, wide yeah. uh, wide man of accuracy, widespread support um, at the time, and and uh, what I what amuses me is that now that Biden is taking heat for it from some of the other mem- people up on the stage, particularly Booker. Uh, and Harris and Harris has got kind of a mixed uh, record because some of what she did in the state of California is is fairly is sort of within within the realm of what 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 the the 94 act tried to do. What amuses me is that Warren um, is saying we need to repeal it, except, of course, for the good stuff in it, of which there's a fair amount. <laughs> yeah. Could I say something about the yeah. Kennedy race? Yeah. Go, go ahead. Richard Bino. Yeah. First of all, Ed Markey actually was the first incumbent senator to come out and endorse Elizabeth Warren for president, whereas, for example, Kamala Harris uh, did not get Dianne Feinstein. Dianne Feinstein actually endorsed Joe Biden. Right. So she certainly, you know, there's certainly a little quid pro quo there, and Ed Markey's actually been up there uh, campaigning. But in terms of Joe Kennedy, first of all, he hasn't declared. There was supposedly what, what happened, there was a draft movement and there was a poll. The Boston Globe found out about this poll that they were taking to see what, how Joe Kennedy would do against Ed Markey. So far, when they asked the Joe, when they ask um, Joe Mark, Ed Markey, I mean uh, Joe Kennedy's press person, the press person is saying we're hum- Joe Kennedy is humble, but right now he's running for re-election. Barney Frank has actually come out, who was his predecessor, and said that he thinks it's ridiculous that the Democrats would spend so much money on um, on a race where both candidates essentially have the exact same views. But Elizabeth Warren, also, if you go back to 2014. There was, a very, there was a race here between John Tierney, who was the incumbent congressman, right. who was kind of scandal-tired, and Seth Moulton. And some, some kind of insurgent kind of Democrats who weren't necessarily part of the establishment supported Seth Moulton. Elizabeth Warren, who had just been elected to the Senate in 2012, was out there the day before the election, was the day before the primary, campaigning with John Tierney, even though the polls had showed that he was basically going to be about 10 points down. He was almost a sure loser. So she has a, she has a history in Massachusetts anyways of supporting incumbents, even in, in the case of incumbents who potentially, um, who potentially there's great risk uh, potentially than winning re-election. But another, fa- another interesting fact about it is that right. Joe Kennedy actually met his wife in Elizabeth Warren's class <laughs> in at Harvard. That, that, wow, that, that's deep history. That, that's actually kind of cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alan, and she still endorsed, um, and she's still endorsing uh, Ed Markey. Oh, uh, that's good. Anyway, uh, Alan Moore, the... Uh, as we start to see filter out, uh, wait, wait, wait. Rich didn't say how he did in her class. Maybe that's part of the reason for the endorsement. <laughs> uh, that, that, I don't know that, if that's the one he was making. He was making three hundred thousand dollars to teach either. I think this might have been another one. But Jesus. I said he could have failed the class, and therefore he didn't <laughs> he's talking about her. He met his wife there, not how he did. Not how he did academically. Academically, but, geez. Right, might, but as a professor, maybe she's thinking, you know. Lord. I thought, I Although, I, well, I think it might be, too, that she made this endorsement. I mean, this Joe Kennedy thing came out of kind of nowhere. Very um, few people, I think, expect people who are really on the inside 
someone actually told me this a few weeks ago that she that this was happening, and I was saying, wow, I mean, I had never heard this before. My guess is that she that he went to try to get her support before, and she thought there were only two primary challengers right. were people that no one had ever heard of. Right. Enough about this. It never occurred to her en- that Joe Kennedy might actually run. Okay, enough about the Massachusetts race. Alan Moore, yeah, go ahead. I, no, I th- it just goes to show when you're a Kennedy, you got enough money that you can go do a little poll. Now, yep. why we're reading about that poll is an interesting question, because that's not the kind of thing you want to the be Boston, out in the public domain. Well, the Boston, the domain, Globe, the, the Boston but, Globe broke it, along with, surprisingly... Unless, of course, you want to create buzz. Of course you leak it, of course depending you do. on what your of goal course is. You do. Trial balloon, yeah. Right. If 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 that's what you want, but but uh, no no. But Marky's up. I mean, look, Marky's in no danger of losing his seat. But I will say though, Marky is getting up there in age. Uh, he's been in Congress now what forty some odd years, Rich. Yeah, he was actually he came he got elected in 1976. Right, but he's only so, been in the Senate since he took over uh, the seat that was occupied when I, John Kerry became. Secretary of State. So right. it was a real, he, was, he basically was a House member who's only been in the Senate since 2013. So look, if Warren should become president right. or become vice president, that seat would be open. Kennedy's and name is now in. sort of in the mix. He's not going to take on Markey, but at least people will think if there's an opening, yep. oh, yep. He's a Kennedy. Ke- he's a Kennedy. He'll be in the mix somehow. There's uh, actually, although I will say technically, though, there's Charlie Baker, the Republican governor, would appoint his successor, but the successor would only be in there temporarily while they have another election, so they'd have to go through the whole primary process, Correct. the general yeah. election process. But in the meantime, that me, would know, theoretically be a Republican no, Knowing, knowing Massachusetts, knowing Massachusetts. I'd like the Democratic Party to get over its Kennedy fixation. All right, but no, knowing Massachusetts and knowing there, Charlie are there Breaker. Any, are there any Clintons up there? It, there are no Clintons up there. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. They, I, knowing Charlie Breaker and knowing the, the, the Massachusetts Republican Party the way I do. Uh, it's basically going to be a lottery. They're they're basically you know going to go to the seven Bumble. people in South Boston that are Republicans and ask them who wants to be senator. Uh, or the lieutenant governor. The other one potentially would be Karen Polito, the uh, Charlie Baker's lieutenant governor, would be a possibility. True. That's true too. Anyway, um, as, as we start to see th- things filter out a little bit, uh, I heard an interesting I heard an interesting comment today, Dan Lipner. Uh, on one of the talking head shows where they pretty much came out and said that Joe Biden is actually kind of accurate when she makes a comment of, look, all this is great, but it's just a matter of you have to swallow hard, take the large pill, hold your nose, and vote for the one person who's going to be able to beat Donald Trump and that is Joe Biden. I'm 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 paraphrasing Joe Biden here. Yeah, Dr. Is Dr. that Joe Biden did indeed say that? But that said, uh, for, for what was previously stated as a gaffe, uh, the Biden campaign. But is it a gaffe though? Up, no, it's not a gaffe. The Biden campaign went on the air with ads basically saying the same thing. It is on message, and she's got a point with all the with with poll numbers both in states that matter and nationally suggesting that Joe Biden consistently beats Donald Trump in many states, including places like, I believe, Texas is in play, which is insane. Um, Yeah, you got to take that as as a thing. And it's worth noting that for a Democratic Party that traditionally does crazy stuff, the 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 line that I come back to always on this show is the the Will Rogers line. The I don't belong to any organized political party. I'm a Democrat. 
Right. Jesus, this is a remarkable bit of political calculus but, that apparently the electorate is buying into. Alan Moore, does, is, is Joe Biden profitizing the reality of what's going to happen in 2020? Or is this a gaffe, in fact, that could damage the large margins that, particularly in states like Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, where Trump won by 70-some-odd thousand votes, uh, which way does this fall? Well, it, it, it's not so much the message, but the messenger. You don't want her to be the messenger, um, but the message is one that, that you're going to hear in in uh, behind the scenes and articles and opinion pieces constantly, particularly if the other frontrunners, Warren and, and, and Sanders, for example, and Harris, um, continue to, to push um, issues that so neatly fit into the socialist category of, quote, Medicare for all, um, which we really should talk about sometime. We, we will um, talk about that uh, at some point. And, 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 and decriminalizing um, uh, illegal immigrants, um, free health care for undocumented. But is this, is this dialogue uh, that we're hearing out of Joe Biden, is this good for the Democrats and good for for Joe, Joe Biden, or is this a backfire? I don't think it's helpful. I, I don't think you want the, the the spouse of the candidate to be, uh, you know, the messenger here. I think that that that. But is but, it the wrong message this early? But the message, the, the, no, because Harris Harris has been has been gaining ground. Um, she's kind well, of moved she, into the, the last polls. She, she's been she's into the, she's no, into the, she's no, into no, the, no, no. The, no, no, that's incorrect. Harris has been losing. She has been losing ground. Did I say Harris? No, I, excuse me. I misspoke. I meant, sorry, thank Warren. you for that correction. Yeah, Warren. Warren has been the one right. who's gaining ground, and and uh, and Harris is kind of uh, sort of dead in the water. Bernie's losing ground. Um, Buttigieg hasn't moved much. So Warren's been climbing. And this is the message you, you've got to you if 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 you're Biden and your right. strongest argument is I can beat the guy. It, People know me. Then you have to you know, you, you've got to find a way for people to be saying that without him being the one who says that you may not like what I say I may mess up my words I may have an interesting history but I can beat the guy that's not the message that I mean to Alan's point the top six Democratic candidates all show themselves to be beating Donald Trump in all the key states that That, matter that's true that is yeah and you know I just say it's very reminds me a little bit of go back in 2000 um you know, I mean, I think a lot of the Al Gore's since there were some parts, some members of Al Gore's campaign in the general election were making the campaign, the argument that you shouldn't support Ralph Nader, saying essentially, saying essentially it's about the Supreme Court. It's right. about the Supreme Court. And the argument they were making there is you may not like Al Gore. You may think he's a sellout. You may think he's, you know, from the he's in bed with the pharmaceutical industry, whatever you think. But invariably, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to who Supreme Court justices are going to be, you can't go for Ralph Nader. Right. And that, it's very similar to that argument. Yeah, uh, by the yeah, way, and, and to be clear, no, Richard's real quick, really good real quick, there. Dan, real the, quick. The, 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 the nonsense side of the progressive movement, I'm not saying Democrats, the nonsense side of the progressives have cost us elections. So this is the Ralph Nader against Al Gore, and this is Ross Perot. The of nonsense. Right. Are you kidding? Ross Perot are. are We've argued this on the show. Delivered the race to to Bill Clinton. Right. No, no. This is the. If it weren't for the third, fourth, and fifth party candidates, we wouldn't talk be talking right. about a President Trump. That's true. Anyway, uh, that being said, <clears throat> this brings to a close the another fine episode.
of the best political talk show you never heard of. Uh, thanks to our host and proprietor of Podcast Village, Charlie Bernie. Uh, obviously, we've got uh, Eric Thomas, our producer, behind the glass, keeping us honest. And uh, on behalf of Dan Lipner and Isaac, the political wonder child, uh, on behalf of Rich Rubino, uh, Alan Moore, myself, we are going to call it a day. You can follow us and download us on your favorite podcasting service, whether it's Google, Apple, or Spotify. We're kind of a big deal. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can follow us on the uh, website, backroompolitics.org. Have a great week, America. We'll see you on the next time for the best political talk show you've never heard of, Backroom Politics. See ya.